Well, how's everybody doing? Doing all right? Hey, grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, it will be up on the screen uh, overhead as we read through it. John chapter 15. Uh, for those of you who may have started coming recently or haven't been here in the past or, or just started coming, I guess I should say, uh, we've been doing what we've called New Testament or, the, or reading through the New Testament in 90 days. Now, it seems like a lot, and I want to encourage you and let you know it is a lot. Um, but one of the things that we believe is that God's Word is what changes us. The reality is I can stand up here and try and manipulate you, coerce you, use all kinds of try to tricks and things like that to try and get you to make decisions. But the truth of the matter is that's not my goal. My goal is to allow the Holy Spirit to convict, to guide, to wreck, and to allow God's Word to change all of us together. We're all on the same page. We're all in equal standing, um, that we all are sinners, according to Scripture, saved by God's grace if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And so we allow God's Word to speak to us. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 15, and I want you to think about this. Over the last year and a half, we have seen <laughs> crazier things, or, or less crazier things over the last couple months, but we have seen some crazy things take place over the last year and a half. But I want to ask you this question. What have you learned over the last year and a half? What have you grown to understand? Matter of fact, it may be better off put like this. Over the last year and a half, or really last year and four months, did your life flourish and grow and produce much fruit? Or did you feel like you were withering away, fading away, getting beat up, getting beat down, worried, depressed, struggle, anxiety kicked in and everything else? Because the truth of the matter is, what we have seen is that depression, anxiety, and worry has now become the number one problem in America's health problem of all problems in America's health, all right? And so when we think about that, we got to think about our emotional stability, our emotional health, the, the things that are going on, but all of that stems from, or an emotional health if I want to be emotionally healthy, comes from being spiritually healthy first and foremost. And so if you have your Bibles, John 15, follow along with me. We're going to read through verse 11, and then we're going to dig in and get to the heart of this text. He says this, John chapter 15, Jesus says this, I am the what? True vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, listen to this, so that it will be what? Even more fruitful, right? Like, I mean, there's some real truth that we can begin to understand here. So he, he's going to cut off or prune away every branch that does not bear fruit and then, or, or that does bear fruit so it'll bear more fruit. Verse three, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And that word Jesus is talking about is the gospel, the good news of what he offers. So he says in verse four, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I remain in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at your neighbor and say, you're hopeless, you're useless, you can do nothing on your own. Right? That's what he's saying. We have to begin to understand that. Now everybody's kind of laughing because I just told you to tell somebody they're useless. But <laughs> I want you to understand the, the context of this text. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, 
He is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up. They're thrown into the fire and burned. And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your or that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The reason why I asked those questions just a little bit ago is this. Over the last year and a half, joy has been something that has oftentimes been insignificant or not really lived out. As a matter of fact, we've been overwhelmed by the burden of things that have gone on. And what I believe is that really the last year and a half just revealed the truth that people were not connected to the vine, that people were connected to everything else. And I would even say this in light of people who claim to be believers in Jesus. There is a reason that the emotional unhealthiness of Americans and people even within the church rose to the occasion when the pressure of COVID and everything else happened. The reason why we begin to flounder, wither, fade away, and fall is because we're not connected to the vine. We're connected to everything else. And I'll even say it this way. For many people, the church is the vine. The problem was for eight weeks, 10 weeks, or even for some churches who haven't met or didn't meet for over a year, when the church was the vine and the vine disappeared, what happened? Their spiritual life withered. Everything began to mount up. They began to look at things and go, oh my gosh, church isn't there. I'm falling apart. I'm breaking up. I'm going to face problems. And then the emotional unhealthiness rose to the occasion. And we began to chase other things. My wife and I recently, and I'm not necessarily going to suggest you watch this, but we watched a movie on Amazon Prime called Unhinged. And it about blew my mind. And in reality, I mean, I, I, I know it could be to a certain extent a little far-fetched, but at the same time, I'm watching this movie, and it's all about road rage that leads to violent acts. And it was like, holy cow, this is almost America. Like in the, in the, in the highlights or in the, the beginning as the movie's kind of getting started, it's talking about the, 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 the breakdown of the social and emotional structures in Americans' lives. And the uncivility and the unrest and the problems and the difficulties we face. And what I want you to understand today is I believe wholeheartedly that in order for us to grow, in order for us to bear fruit, in order for us to experience what he calls his joy, and so that our joy would be made complete, we have to remain connected to the vine. And so today's sermon is this whole idea of remaining connected to the source, the very thing that gives me life. If you watch much on Netflix or anything like that, maybe you've seen this documentary called The Social Dilemma. Anybody seen The Social Dilemma? If you haven't seen it, I'm going to encourage you to go home and look at it, not from a Christian standpoint, but to understand what's going on, not just in our lives, but in the lives of our kids and the next generation because of what's taking place on social media. More and more people are looking for acceptance and value and acceptance from their peers and other people through social media. And as a result, what we're seeing is social media and, and, and the social networking sites and everything have created a problem. Matter of fact, in the social dilemma, this documentary, it talks about the dangerous human impact of social networking 
and social media, listen, to manipulate human behavior for profit. And at the same time, it's been used to manipulate people's beliefs, perceptions about others. It's been used to create vast divides and has a main goal of getting people, listen to me, people, which is identified in this documentary, people are the product. You and I are being sold by social media to advertisers and everything else to continue clicking so that you are being programmed at a deeper level. How many of you use social media? Did you know that every time you click on something, they track you, right? You got that. You understand that? That every video I watch just gives them the algorithm to know that, hey, I'm going to watch another video. And they continue to get you hook, line, and sinker. That's why we have problems even in the political sphere. But you got some on the right and some on the left that continue to watch the same videos. And I watch one video and it takes me further down this way extreme right side. And then the same on the left. I watch these videos and it continues to take me further and further away. And the reality is what it is, is that's become the vine with which people are getting their news, their value, their source. And let me hear you. when I want you to hear me when I say this. If that is the vine with which you get your source of life with which you get your value and your purpose, with which you think is the good things, what you begin to see is that you're not really connected to the true vine. And as a result, when, listen, when I get unlikes or when I get unfriended or when I get bombarded by somebody or when all the social media bullying wants to step in and attack somebody, now my emotional and social wellness just goes to pot. It goes down the hole. But listen, when I remain connected to the vine, the true vine, then I can understand and I can evaluate and I can figure out and I can understand exactly what Jesus has for me. Because here's the truth of the matter. Here's, please hear me out with this. What we know from scripture is this, that there will come a time where people will not put up with sound doctrine. The Bible is very clear that people will be what, treacherous, rash, conceited. There will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of good. They will call good evil and evil good sound like anything we're experiencing to a certain extent today yes and what we have to do is know this if i stay connected to the vine that regardless of what others say about me that i stay obedient to what god has called me to do then i will bear much fruit but apart from him i can do nothing listen Here's today. Here's the big statement. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this. As we remain in Christ, God prunes us so we bear more fruit. And the joy in our life is then complete. That as I remain connected to the vine or Jesus Christ, that God prunes me so that I bear more fruit. And the joy in my life is then complete. Now, let me play this out just a little bit. Pruning is not something that is enjoyable for a tree or a plant or anything else. It actually hurts the tree, the plant, or anything else. But in reality, it's healthy for the tree. Matter of fact, I could probably get Justin up here. Justin explained a lot better about pruning. Uh, uh, you know, he majored in that stuff in college, so he knows all about doing these types of things. So Justin can give you a whole thing about pruning and what it does. But the reality is, it hurts. And when God begins to prune things out of your life, when God begins to remove the excess, the things you don't need because it's not leading to bearing fruit, then as a result, there's going to be pain. There's going to be a suffering to a certain extent. But the reality is that that pain or suffering is brief 
Because that brief pruning leads to me producing more fruit. I look at it this way. And I'm not much into gardening, so I can't tell you a lot, but I've gotten into it the last couple years. Don't ask me why. Maybe it was just a little bit of downtime with COVID, but I decided to start planting tomatoes, of which I hate. Does that make sense? Like, I planted tomatoes so I could make salsa. I could care less about eating a sliced tomato with salt. Like, people are like, oh, just a little mayo and some salt. Oh, gross. That's disgusting. Like, but let me put it in a blender with like some, like, I got jalapenos. I got red ghost peppers. I got serrano peppers. I'm ready for some, I'm ready for some fiery salsa. But don't ask me to eat a tomato plain. Right? But I started growing these tomatoes, and what I began to understand is there are things that begin to grow off this tomato plant that I begin to have to remove and take away so that the tomato plant is going to be able to produce more tomatoes. Otherwise, I get all these things called suckers that begin to take all of the energy from the root ball, and it's not putting it out toward the fruit. Instead, it's going into these suckers. And so to a certain extent, when God prunes away the suckers in your life, He's going to make you more fruitful. So as I, as I say this, I want to unpack kind of four things. Look at verse 1 through 3, verses 1 through 3. And here's what I believe we have to understand. We have to respond to the message of truth. We have to respond to the message of truth. Here's what it says. Jesus is the vine and the Father is the gardener. And what he says is that the Father cuts off every branch in Jesus that bears no fruit. Why? Because if a person is in Jesus or if a person is, is in a relationship with Jesus Christ and not bearing fruit, then there's got to be some things in that person's life that needs to be cut away and pruned in order to bear fruit. And so what he says is, I cut away or I cut off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Everybody is created in God's image, but not everybody's connected to the true vine. Everybody is made in the image of God, but not everybody has confessed their sins and asked Jesus to to save them from their sins. Everybody's not walking that direction. So he says, I cut away those that are not producing any fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be more fruitful. But here's what I want to focus on. Look at verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, that regardless of what my past was like, regardless of the fruit I bore or the lack of fruit I bore in the past, regardless of the fact that my branches were withering and falling away and faltering, Jesus cuts that out and he says, I want to graft you in to the vine. You are going to now become me. You are going to be in a relationship with me and you are grafted in to the vine, and Jesus gives you the source of life. And he says that. I've done that through my word. So I have to respond to the message of truth. Fruitfulness should be the goal of any obedient follower of Jesus. If we aren't bearing fruit, we have to begin to ask why. Like if I begin to look at a tomato plant and go, what the heck is the problem with this tomato plant? I don't have a single tomato on there. Why is it? Well, there's got to be something that's going on. There's got to be either I'm not getting enough nutrients or maybe all the energy's going somewhere else or maybe the plant has a disease. Who knows what it is? But there may be a reason why it's not bearing fruit. And likewise, in the life of a believer, if I'm not bearing fruit, if I'm not bearing fruit, what, what the Bible talks about is bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. 
that I do good works as a result of my salvation, not for salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, I am in Jesus, and as a result of being in Jesus, then I'm able to do good works. James says this, faith without works is what? Useless. We've had a lot of people that have probably grown up in the church that have never lived the faith that they claim to have out. And as a result, Jesus says, faith without works is useless. And so I have to respond to the message of truth, the good news of the gospel. And so whether it's bearing fruit, whatever isn't bearing fruit, God wants to get away from it and he wants it to to produce more fruit. So that's what he says. So I have to respond to the message. Number two, I have to remain in Christ. Listen to what he says in verse four. Remain in me and I will remain in you. You stay connected to me and I will give you all the source of nutrients, all the benefits that you need in order to produce and to grow. Here's one of the biggest struggles that I believe most kids have with parents who, who kids who have grown up in church. And listen to me, I understand there's a lot of things, but kids hear one thing, but in their lives or in the lives of the parents, they see something else. Like we want our kids to respond or act or grow in a certain way, but yet at the same time, we don't act in a way that is keeping with repentance or in a way that's bearing fruit that Jesus calls us to. When we remain connected to the vine, The vine gives us everything we need. We just talked about that. It's our source of life. We receive the nutrients to grow and remain strong. And so while there are things around us that are trying to attack us and and, and, and to enter in and, and create problems, we stay connected to the vine. And the vine is what gives us the source of life. The vine is what pushes us. The vine is what allows us to do what we do. And so listen to what he says. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains, or maybe your Bible says, that your version says, abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, when we feed the sin nature, sin comes out. But when we feed the spirit, we bear good fruit. Matter of fact, we used to say this, starve the flesh and feed the spirit. When I was a youth pastor, we always said that with the kids. The problem most people have is this. It's easier to feed the flesh and starve the spirit. I use this example. When COVID happened, I remember people going, oh man, it's so nice to actually have time. Do you want to know the number one reason why people said they never read their Bible? Why they never want to go to church? Why they're not? I don't have time. COVID happens. Well, now you got all the time in the world. What's the excuse? The excuse is it's always easier. This is for everybody. It's always easier to starve the spirit and feed the flesh. Why? Because the flesh says, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it. I want it, I want it, I want it. I need notoriety. I need acceptance. I need this. I need that. I got to do all these things. Blah, 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 blah. And we starve the, the, the spirit and we feed the flesh. When the Bible is very clear that, listen, when you feed the spirit, That the spirit inside of you is going to grow. The Holy Spirit continues to grow. In Christ, I can do all things. Philippians chapter 4, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We play this out, and what we do is what we have to see is we have to feed our spirit. We have to feed the Holy Spirit within us, and we have to starve the flesh. 
Starving is a literally, you have to make a concerted effort, right? Starving is one of two things. There's no food around or there's food around and I'm choosing not to partake in it. When I say I need to starve the flesh, we know that there are all kinds of things around us that can feed the flesh. It could be public acceptance. It could be money. It could be food, legitimately. It could be trying to nurse or or cover up the pain and the struggles through addictions and things like that. And when I feed the flesh, listen to me, when I feed the flesh, then the flesh is going to grow. And it's going to continue to prosper. It's going to continue to, to, not really prosper, it's going to continue to grow in a way that I'm not called to grow in that fashion. But when I choose to starve the flesh, There's lots of food out there to feed the flesh. I choose to starve it. What I'm choosing to do is to neglect it. Deep down inside my spirit, my my flesh may be saying, you really need the acceptance of people. Kind of go back to that social dilemma aspect. You need their acceptance. You need their approval. Do you know what? No, you don't. Not a single person on this planet that you have to have approval from. Not one. But the Bible says you need to have God's approval. That everything I should do should be done for his glory. That's who I set out for. There's a statement we used to say as a, when I was a youth pastor. We, we do it all for an audience of one. Like when we, when we do worship, when the praise team is, is leading you in worship, they're not doing this for your benefit as far as like, or for their benefit, for them to get notoriety or become. They're doing this to lift up the name of Jesus basically perform for him. Does that make sense? To worship him. We're responding to God for what he's done. And so we remain in Christ. Anybody ever lost power? Anybody ever lost power to your freezer with meat in it? What happens? It does go bad. And it goes bad quickly. Here's what happens. When I starve the spirit and feed the flesh, it's like disconnecting a freezer from the power source, but that freezer's full of meat. That at the time is in good condition and can be used. But when it's disconnected from the power source, that flesh of that animal that you either purchased or hunted and then processed begins to rot. And when it begins to rot, then it begins to stink. And then when I feed the flesh long enough and I begin to suffer the consequences of either eating bad flesh or eating bad things or not eating at all, then I begin to reap the consequences of that. My life begins to stink. I don't get the nutrients that I need from it because now it's no good. Matter of fact, it's going to make me sick. And here's what happens. When I feed the flesh and I continue to constantly feed the flesh, eventually you're going to get sick. Eventually you're going to come to reality. You're going to go, oh my gosh, my life is jacked up. And I've made the wrong decisions. And all the Bible calls you to do, remember he goes back and he says, listen, I just got to respond to the message of truth. Jesus says, I've I've given you the gospel. I've given you the good news. I've offered you life and life more abundantly in my death, burial, and resurrection. So all I have to do is connect with the vine. Number three, 
As we remain in Christ, God prunes us so we bear more fruit, and the joy in our life is complete. Here's number three. I want you to see this. We can request, when we abide in Christ or remain in him, we can request with expectation. Listen to what he says in verse seven. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what? Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. And it will be given to you. Here's the big kicker and here's the struggle. A lot of people think that, oh great, that means I can ask for money. Oh, great. That means I can ask for this or I can ask for that. Always remember this. There are consequences for our past actions. But I also want you to know this, that when we ask, as I remain in the vine and I connect to the vine, when I ask, I no longer ask out of guilty motives or the idea that God owes me. But I ask and I say, God, what is it that you have for me? And here's what I'm praying. I'm praying a prayer of faith that you are going to provide whatever I need. So whatever I need, not necessarily want, here's the problem. Whatever I need, not necessarily want, is exactly what he's laying out. So as we remain in Christ, our heart begins to ask for things, not for our benefit, but for God's glory. Because listen to what he says in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So listen. All that a true disciple asks for conforms to the will of God. That God makes his glory known. And that's the main point of everything that we do. That we request with expectation. That means that I can go to him in prayer and ask with deep-seated help. And ask him for him to help me in the situations and struggles. And know that whatever it is that he gives me. It is something that he has for his purpose and his glory. And sometimes we can't begin to understand that. And then number four, I'm going to wrap up with this. As we remain in Christ, God prunes us so we bear more fruit. And as he prunes us, and as we bear more fruit, our joy in our life is made complete. So number four is this. I can respond with joy no matter what the circumstances are that I face. Did you hear that? I can respond with joy no matter what circumstance in life I face. Paul lays that out at one point when he's learning to be content, but he also talks about joy. And what we begin to understand here is this. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Can I tell you one of the secrets I believe to a Christian life? Is joy. Do you know what one of the spiritual gifts are? Is joy. And what Jesus is laying out here is this that when you remain in me, when I connect to the Lord, when I'm connected to Jesus, then I'm going to bear much fruit. He's going to prune me, He's going to cut away what I don't need. He's going to call me out for the sins of my life. And he's going to say, you don't need to be dealing with that anymore. You need to get rid of it. You need to choose to starve the flesh. And you need to choose to obey the spirit. And then likewise, as we do that, as we remain in him, he says that his joy would be in us. Now, Jesus is talking about this on his way to go and be crucified on the cross. And he's talking about joy. And he goes to the cross with joy. And Paul talks about this consistently when he goes in and he's persecuted with great joy. So he says this and he lays it out. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be complete. Here's what I want us to understand is this. I believe wholeheartedly based upon scripture that we can't experience true joy unless we remain in Jesus. Think about it this way. How do you go to a, a, a young family whose son is less than a year old and is diagnosed with cancer and is not going to make it through the year and say you need to have joy? How do you deal with the loss of a loved one who just recently passed away from a, a sickness, a cancer, maybe COVID or things like that? How do you walk through that with joy? How do you deal with the pain and sorrow when a drunk driver or an intoxicated driver who's on drugs takes out somebody else? Or how do you deal with it when somebody who violently out, out lashes out and kills somebody? How do you deal with the pain and the sorrow and the agony and the hurt of this world? All of us have to experience or are going to go through those things. But listen, as God prunes us and produces more fruit in our life, then that growth is going to grow into a love. And love, listen, is a fruit of the Spirit along with joy. And joy comes realizing, listen, that no matter what I face, I can face it with the certainty that God will never walk away from me, that God hasn't turned his back on me. And one of the things we have to begin to understand, he says this point blank. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Jesus knew the very people who would violate, stand up against, cast stones, lay a crown of thorns on his head, pierce his side, drive the nails into his hands and feet, curse him, spit on him. Jesus knew all those. And yet he went to the cross with joy knowing that the very price that he was going to pay was the price that he had to pay for the sins of mankind. And then listen, as a result of that, because of his joy in us, our joy is made complete. What that means is this. Without Jesus, I will always be incomplete in joy. Without Jesus, I will always look for value, purpose, meaning, and answers in everything else. But with Jesus, I can understand that everything I go through, I can go through with joy. It's not always easy, but I want you to think about it this way. Oftentimes, we think joy means happiness. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Happiness is an emotion. You may say, well, what's the difference? a lot of difference. I can love somebody even though I disagree with them, right? The Bible calls me to love. Through the Spirit is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I can love somebody and disagree with them. I can have joy and still be going through the worst storms of life. Because joy is something that cannot be taken from me. Joy comes from me remaining or abiding in Jesus. Happiness is an emotion. And happiness can be taken because we can be downtrodden and discouraged and beat up, but we can still go through those pains and those sorrows and those agonies with joy, knowing that God has something greater at the end of the storm or the trial that we're facing. So listen, when Jesus lays this whole challenge out, he's challenging us to understand that obedience to God 
is the first and primary thing that we have to do. Obedience to God is an expression of our love for him. And so listen, our joy is a direct correlation with the love that we have of Jesus. If we're not joyful, we may be lacking. We may be struggling in our relationship with God. Maybe we're not connected. Or maybe, just maybe, listen, we're not bearing the fruit of joy, and here's the reason why. Because we've got a bunch of suckers in our life that are sucking all the energy from it. We've got these things that are growing in our, in our branch that we're trying to maintain control of. We're trying to say, I need it, when the reality is you don't. You need God to prune it away. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Listen, we can abide in Jesus. As we remain in Christ, God proves us. So we bear more fruit, and the joy in our life is complete. Have you felt like you're missing something? Have you felt like maybe the last year has been just this overwhelming thing of, oh my God, what's going on? Happiness can be stolen, but joy can't. Because joy is a result of remaining in Christ. Here's what I want to encourage you with as as we close. In some way, shape, or form today, God wants to speak to you through this. And I believe this wholeheartedly that as we read scripture, that God speaks to everybody individually where you're at. That he may convict, he may guard, he may call you out, he may teach you, he may be correcting you. Matter of fact, for some, he may be rebuking some of the things that you're doing in your life. He's calling you out for things that you know that you don't need, that he needs to prune away, but you're really just holding on so tightly. And the tighter you hold, the more God's gonna cut and prune away. But when those dead leaves and those dead branches and the the fruitless branches are cut away, that pain, that agony, that hurt of when it comes is just a fraction of what God wants to do because God's gonna... That's going to benefit you when he prunes you so you can bear more fruit in your life, more fruit in your family's life, more fruit in your marriage, more fruit in your job at work, more fruit in your relationships with people who don't know who Jesus is. That's the result of what takes place. When God prunes me, I can produce more fruit. And when I produce more fruit, I also believe that I experience more joy. And the reason oftentimes I don't experience the greatest joy is because I'm not willing to let God prune me and I'm not willing to remain in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your goodness and your greatness would be something that we would begin to understand and maybe comprehend. That, Lord, today, maybe there's somebody who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe they would say, listen, I haven't been abiding in him because I've never been connected to him. And so, Lord, we, they just make a decision today. The Bible says that if they confess with their mouth and they believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, they, they would be saved. That, it, that the, at the name of Jesus, that it, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That there is salvation in one name and one name alone, and that's Jesus Christ. But, Father, maybe there are some today here grew up in church, Maybe we've been a part of the church for a while. And what really needs to happen is we have to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. Maybe it's giving up some things in the morning to spend some time in the word, or maybe it's 
cutting away some excess activities just to say that I can focus on you. But God, what is it you're calling each one of us to do? Father, we know that you paid the price in the sending of your son and you did that out of love and Jesus in joy went to the cross and he paid the price but he didn't stay dead he rose again and he offers us life and so Lord may we experience the life that you talk about and the joy that you make complete in us in a relationship with Jesus it's in Jesus name I pray amen